Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We are live. This is Pitch Tech Asia. My name is Graham Brown, joined in the studio by Ashish Chanda. Ashish, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, good morning to you. Great that you're coming here. That We're also going to talk about the world of Crystal AI your journey to get there, what problem you're solving and the why, all of that. A um, bit of background to yourself first, originally from India. Yeah. Where are you from in India? So I come from the northern part of India, the capital, New Delhi. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've, I've studied there first a techie, then an MBA, and then moved to uh, Mumbai for a couple of years in the financial industry, then Hong Kong for about five and Singapore has been my home for the last eight years, since 2011. Okay. It gives us a little bit of a clue into where you worked. I mean, obviously, Hong Kong, Singapore, financial industry specifically. Right. Where were you working? What kind of things were you involved in? So I spent my time at a couple of banks, whether it's City, BNP Paribas, JP Morgan, even ran a hedge fund for two years mm-hmm. uh, before started the journey with Crystal AI. Okay. So you started in 2016. That's correct. So three years in. Yes. Fantastic. You started the business as a sole founder or the co-founder? Can you tell us a little bit about the early stages of the business so we know who's involved? So so towards the end of 2015, we identified a particular problem and I reached out to one of my very closest friends who was in the tech industry. We used to go to the same university for four years together uh, from 96 to 2000. And when he got excited about the whole idea, we said that this is great. We are a winning combo. Let's launch it together. Right. So there's two co-founders. So I'm getting That's an right. idea. He's the tech guy. You are the sales guy. So both of us are techies at heart. But, oh, yes, I'm, but, but yes, now I am the financial guy or the sales you're guy. You're the front face of <laughs> yes. the organization. Right? All right. Well, we'll talk about Crystal AI, what it is and what the problem that you are solving. Maybe we can first start by identifying the market itself. Right. So... Um, uh, you have a slide on your pitch deck here. If I can jump into the pitch deck. Sure. And take a look. And bear in mind that some people are listening, so they might not see everything that we have Got it. access to here. So I'm going to s- go to slide eight here. Um, let me just find this slide eight, the market slide itself. So I think this kind of gives us an understanding of what market we're dealing with. And That's that will correct. sort of then lead us into the problem with that market and then your solution for that. So help us understand what's the what's the market, what's the total addressable market that we're dealing with? Sure. So saying that the market that we are addressing is what we like to call as the mass affluent. So these are people who have had a small amount of exposure to investing, uh, but they're not being given access to certain uh, products or services that they desire to have access to. Uh, because the the top of the pyramid uh, services and uh, the ultra high net worth or um, you know very high net worth people, so so people who are in in the in the mid segment are basically left underserved. Mm. So it's a mass affluent people who want to uh, you know get the first couple of investments done, have a consistent return, and build a portfolio for themselves. And the, so that's the problem that we are uh, addressing. So help me understand. In the pyramid here, you sort of split down the financial net worth of the complete market. Within that, you are targeting that mid-tier? That's correct. So let me understand again. These are not the ultra-high net worth individuals or people who don't have liquid cash, but the people who have money but aren't being serviced or don't know how to invest? or Either of them. So mostly what happens is that the the top of the pyramid, the ultra-high or the high net worth, they are being serviced by the, the traditional players, the big private banks. Yeah. 
and uh, there is the robot advisory segment that's entering into the first time investors or millennials as such and uh, now the whole middle segment lands up being ignored because they they neither fit in at the bottom of the pyramid nor mm. at the top and the kind of uh, demands or the kind of products that they desire are a little bit more complex than just let's say simple etfs mm. so you need to understand what their needs are and uh, provide a service in a digital manner that can scale up to millions of people and so it's people let's say between anywhere between uh, $10,000 to let's say even a uh, million dollars or more that they're looking to put to use mm. to build uh, let's say a retirement portfolio or uh, something for a home and things like that yeah. right so these are people that wouldn't traditionally buy into like over the counter style etfs or or they maybe would do because that's their only option but they may have more complex needs complex products they're talking about like a retirement portfolio So I wouldn't say complex I think the requirements are more uh, uh something more involved that they desire to get access to other things which mm. the rich only have access to Now when you have let's say only $1000 you probably do not desire to have access to something which a 10 million guy is buying but if you have let's say 50000 100000 you do want to get a peek into what are these guys doing and can I get a share of that Right what are these guys doing that the guys at the bottom end aren't interested in but the guys in the middle are interested in and also wouldn't that be the role of a traditional financial advisor to keep that those kind be. of that would be that exactly would be but the problem in today's market is that uh, the traditional advisors their the business models the structure is such that they're not able to provide advice or devote time to people in the segment just mm. because the size of investment is small so that segment is not really a profitable one for them and it's unlikely to be so the only way to solve that uh, problem is when you have digital solutions like let's say ai which can understand the needs of this segment and reach out to them in a scalable manner mm. so which is why these these latest technologies when you put them to use in the right way you can pretty much expand the market now the kind of stuff that these people want are is um let's say beyond etfs you want to get access to certain bonds certain baskets of equities you, you may want to participate in a and of p2p loans in mm. other startups so people want to get you know a share of every uh, new thing that comes but usually the new things are only shown to the ultra rich and that's the problem we're trying to solve interesting okay um this going to the problem itself and, and sort of quantify that a little bit you've got a couple of good slides here so um we'll bounce back a little bit go to slide 4 you have here identification of the problem. So you're talking about the gaps in the market. I mean you've done a good job of this already talking about, you know, I suppose the portfolio managers they're accessible only by a small group of people directly, right? Yeah. Um people otherwise would buy into funds, right, which are sort of That's done correct. on mass. See what they're also the portfolio managers that we give access to are are the budding managers. So they may be funds but they they're small funds. Mm. So they're the ones who are trying to Uh, get access to capital by putting in that extra effort see uh, whereas whereas if you look at the the multi billion funds they already are being flocked with capital from the big insurance companies institutions yeah. you know sovereign funds and so on uh, so so we need someone needs to come and uh, tell them that yes you know uh, we are there to enable you and i don't know if you recognize the movie clip that i've um, added over there yeah so so there's one from uh, the big shot and the other is Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. Street yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in, in Big Short, you know that's a scene where they say that you are 1.47 billion dollars lesser 
than uh, you know what is needed to even talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that's exactly yeah. I mean, it's not even a conversation you can start with these guys, is it? And on the other side, with the uh, Wolf of Wall Street, what's the conversation there for investors? So the conversation there is so that's a scene where you know DiCaprio is just uh, you know showing that can you sell this pen, right. which probably doesn't work. So it's product to sales, someone. So right. it's like basically yeah. you just sell this thing. This thing is probably yeah. shit, but you still sell it. Yeah. and so that's a very product sale product push that happens in the industry yeah. and we are saying that why why should we be doing that you need to understand what the user wants and give them access to stuff which they that they want and they desire rather than being just a pen pusher i can i can um verify that because i started my career as a financial advisor mm. and as much as you think it's all about advising the client very right. much you're driven by product sales and commissions correct. yeah So and that's the mass market for most people. You know, they Correct. think they're getting sort of high net worth style services, yeah. but you've just got a guy who's like selling, you know, at the time quite poorly constructed products as well. Correct. So All right, so um we talked a little bit about the problem. You have another slide here as well which sort of goes into the problem a little bit deeper. If we can jump there at slide 6. Um Sorry, I've gone into the market. I'm just going to jump forward a little bit here. Sure. Um Yeah, so what I want to do now is look at the the market you're tar- targeting. Just give it some numbers itself. So right. and maybe the size of this market and then we'll have a look at the solution. So um yeah. here we have the client segments and you've done a good job of sort of like laying that out. So you've got the retail market which is the the entry market. Correct. Okay. And then at the top you've got the ultra high net worth but you define your market how. I mean you've got these high net worth individuals private premier So Retail. that's an that's an internal segmentation that we do just right. to uh, make sure that our efforts are aligned in the right way from a sales and marketing process but you look at the the middle three segments uh, what we call as premier private high net worth it's actually overall as a segment you can call it the mass affluent mm-hmm. and that mass affluent is people who've probably been through with their first 10 20000 of investment they they've probably invested in ETFs or have had some exposure to it and now they're looking for you know what's what's the other things that we can do if i have my next 10000 to save should i be buying the same etf or is there something else mm. that i can do and the answer could be either it doesn't matter uh, but the thing is that you you need to start saving investing early in your life and that's one of the objectives uh, at least we have by keeping the the retail segment as free we call yeah. it the freedom account now okay so they're the onboarding of the future yeah. maybe students as well as people yeah anyone. okay all right good So let's take this forward. Let's talk about the the solution to this. You've mentioned that solutions are out there in the market already. You've talked about robo advisory. Yeah. There's plenty of solutions out there. How, yeah. how do you sort of sit compared to robo advisors and then all the way up to the the very bespoke portfolio managers? Where do you sit in this market? So so let's say if you look at the 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 bottom of the pyramid as per the slide, it's the robo advisors which are predominantly ETF only solutions. Hmm. the top is the private banks uh, so you'll have the, the swiss names and the other names who will have uh, the the ultra high net worth and that's where the focus is and the whole middle segment whose whose desires or demands are actually more of what the upper segment wants but they are given access only of the the free versions or the the robo versions so they they have something uh, different uh, uh, desires that needs to be that's a fulfilled so so we look at uh, there are robo advisors then there are what what i call as the digital private bank or digital wealth players mm. and then there is the the traditional private banks 
Where do you sit? So you're in the DPB, so, so we are in, digital yeah, private so wealth. We just I use the uh, word bank in quotes, but typically mm. digital private wealth platforms or digital private bank is what we call it in three words uh, right. to ourselves. Yeah, a digital private bank. So you have all the services of a private bank, but in the digital world, Correct. can that not be done by a robo advisor? So, in, uh, so for example, robo advisor is a subset of our solution. So that's right. our startup product. Now, for a robot advisor to become a digital private bank, they need to have uh, extensive product expertise, understanding of how these uh, uh, these clients behave, what their preferences are, preferences are, mm. and also understand the technology, the algorithms behind it. So, you see, the see, it's uh, a robot advisor. Actually, is a, it's a very simple, straightforward solution, which is the same cookie cutter for pretty much a large segment of clients because they are, let's say, profiled similarly that it's it's a first timers or people with let's say ten thousand. Yeah. But the moment you want to be a little bit more sophisticated, then you need to differentiate one user from the other. So your profile gram will be different from Bharat's profile, mm. and let's say the the portfolio that suits you or the products that you like will be different from let's say what Bharat loves. Mm -hmm. So so that engaging that is the crux of the algorithms. How do you do that? Though without giving away the secrets, but what what do you do that uh, a, you know what? are you bringing to the table that isn't being done elsewhere and how also that let's talk how that leads into the AI discussion yeah. as well. So sure. first part, what are you doing differently to everybody else? So, so there are two key differences I would say. So one is that, uh, our whole company has been constructed like a technology firm. So when we started in 2016, January, mm -hmm. it was a tech firm that we started. It's only about a year later that we ventured into financial advisory or fund management. So the whole building blocks of the firm are very tech driven and uh, data is very key to us on how our marketing works, sales mm. works, user engagement works, uh, client servicing, advisory, everything is driven to that. So what we want to do is, um, so, so, so just to give a glimpse of what AI does, AI looks at your user behavior. So let's say if you have the app, what are the products you're watching on the app? What is what is based on your likes, dislikes, if you can somehow gauge that, how much time you spent on which particular, let's say, link or page. Mm -hmm. That gives us some insight into what you may like and what's more relevant for you. And uh, the pattern of usage can also tell us how, uh, what, what kind of downside is okay for a particular product, uh, which is suitable for you or not. So suitability, appropriateness, preferences, objectives can be gauged through user behavior hmm. rather than me just asking you, hey, if you were to lose 50%, is that okay? And you'll be like, oh, no, it's not okay. <laughs> so, right, right, right. <laughs> but that's a, yeah, okay. I mean, the, the sort of the fact find on the the traditional uh, financial services side is, you know, left wanting, isn't it? It's not particularly useful for giving insights and when they do collect the insights it then then doesn't get actioned on an ongoing basis what, what are you what are you doing for example that banks are not doing you know what why can't a bank for example just get a clever piece of ai or marketing like you say if we're just sort of collecting data about what you're looking at um, if you're looking at certain products then i know you have an interest in this and i can ask you certain specific questions but surely a bank can do that right what's sort of holding them back from sort of replicating what you're doing no, so i'm not saying the banks are not doing that so their their focus area is definitely different they're in the top of the segment where the requirement is anyway more human touch so so there are two questions there one is that are they even interested in the middle segment or not i don't know the answer maybe it's best to ask the banks and the second is if they are then are they um, are, is their ecosystem such data driven, which which mm. enables the user 
to use it in a way that uh, they are happy to tell them more about the profile directly or indirectly. So knowing that if I do this thing, it's going to help me in uh, getting a portfolio of my choice. Mm. If the user also doesn't believe that they are going to get, at the end, at the end of the day, if they're going to get a pen pushing product, then they won't, don't want to even share any information, any data, right? Mm. So, so I think it's a combination of uh, uh, what the banks believe and how much the user trusts them, and uh, and based on that, you know what kind of budget they allocate to this. Theoretically, everything is doable. I mean, they're they're big, they're mm. billions of dollars. Of course, it's doable. But, I, but that's in theory we've seen it. But, right, right. But if that was the case, then none of the startups would have existed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that that's what I'm sort of trying to probe is that what's in their DNA that prevents them from doing it, that allows you to do this, that, you know, uh, the fact is, is that maybe the DNA doesn't allow them to focus on certain types of customers because they're too low margin for them effectively. That's or, definitely one of the cases. Yeah. And the second also is that um, uh, there's, there's, there's a huge uh, change in mindset required for them hmm. to suddenly become a data-driven organization or a tech-driven organization. So, so you know, there's. Uh, so I've been on certain panels where there was a debate that what happens if Alibaba or Tencent or Google set up a bank or Amazon, and mm-hmm. then then and then you have a technology player who becomes a bank who can think like who's a data driven or a tech driven play, and suddenly that's when the banks will be like, oh my god, what's going on here? Yeah, it was happening already, right? I mean, like <laughs> Alibaba and yeah. Okay, um, tell us a little bit about the actual product itself and what it looks like. I think we've got a couple of slides here that maybe I can sure. just flash up. So um, slide 10 here. You, you talk about the solution here. Maybe we can yeah. talk about this because you talk, you, you know, the umbrella suite of solutions, the robo-advisory. What, what else in this uh, portfolio do you have as a solution? So there's three. So I'm going to have to describe it for people who sure. are listening, right? You've got sure. three tiers within your solution. Can you describe what those are? Yeah, so this is the, uh, so the RoboAdvisor is the embedded solution in what we are now calling as the Freedom Account. So this is the startup plan where we're saying that there is uh, no advisory fee, no hidden fee and nothing. It's just for enabling people to get started. Right. Uh, but as the amount of investment goes up, that's when we ask them to upgrade to a premier tier where more products, more services are available. So for example, the, the free tier, the Freedom One is is completely digital. So the the support is also completely digitally available. Uh, whereas in the Premier, you do get to, let's say, get on calls with advisors and so on. Mm. And uh, from the Premier tier, you can also upgrade to the private tier, uh, where you are uh, getting pretty much all the products that a typical private bank would get, uh, but in a digital manner through the app. Hmm. Okay, so you're effectively building the potential lifetime journey for a customer from where they may start quite young when they're starting out in their career to, you know, when they get their mortgages, their pensions, you know, life insurance, all the way up to, you know, that's correct. Private wealth, which would maybe investing in. Yeah. unstructured products or maybe the riskier so, products? So it could be products where they want to take leverage. It could be uh, certain products where, uh, which are a little bit more uh, uh, complex or they need more sophistication, let's yeah. say. Um, but but there's a huge demand for those. Um, so it's not a product that you would recommend to a first-time investor. Hmm. Uh, so as the journey grows, as the net worth grows, their requirement goes. So, 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 so if there is, let's say, a goal-based investing, so you may have invested enough for goal one and two, and maybe goal three is just growing your your money, and mm. that could have more sophisticated products in it. 
Okay. So that's when you you're right, you're not ripe to move into a private wealth tier then. All right, let, let me ask you this then, Ashish, is that you know I guess uh, and you've probably heard this before. So you know it's an objection that you may have, have dealt with many times is that when you uh, talk about retail banking, for example, um, financial services. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's aware it's structured in a similar kind of fashion. You know, you're onboarded, you know, from the early days with your student bank account, where yeah. they're giving you the kind of terms that your parents would only ever dream about when they give away free <laughs> money, right? So it's, they know the lifetime value of a customer. Once you're in, you're in, you, you never leave. But that's changing. But that has been around for, for, for many years. And then you've got, let's say, to the next level, once you... Um, graduate and you're in the, the the world of work you move up to that premier status yeah and you know how that that works is that you, you become a premier bank customer and they promise you all these things but yet when you actually you know you get a relationship manager and you have access to this special you know, right. you, know you, you don't go into like where all the hoi polloi going in the front right. of the retail bank you go upstairs in the premier bank yeah. department and you maybe have more comfortable seats at the beginning, people bought into that, but you know, we, we've wisened up to that. That sort of premier level is Correct. actually, you know, nothing really because they've all just graduated up to the next level now. Correct. So, w- how do you? Uh, you must be mindful of that. That that's what's broken in in that industry, right? How do you then approach it differently? You know, what are you doing differently? Because you know, structurally, it's a similar idea. I mean, they set out with that goal of you know, let's sort of graduate all our customers for their life cycle, their lifetime, yeah. right? Yeah. But you know, the whole thing falls through in the ex- execution of that, right? Right. So, see, firstly, see, we are like the no frills version, so there is no, uh, you know, like business class as in first class kind of, <laughs> you know, going to that particular lounge. So, so in the no frills version, the the difference here is that. When you have graduated from stage one to stage two, so 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 let's say the the freedom tier is for you to just experience how the platform is and if it works for you, and then the premier is where you get access, greater access to a, a segment of products which uh, we believe that based on your profile you are now ready to get access to. What we don't want is giving you something that you you suddenly like or you like certain features of it without fully understanding what that thing is and, and go for it. Mm. So so there has to be, um, a, a, you know, a gradual path and, uh, you know, go for it. Now, of course, with those products, there is a little bit more handholding required because they may not be as straightforward as buying an ATF off the shelf. Mm. Um, so, so whether it's bonds or whether it's, um, you know, any other baskets of uh, thematic baskets. And then again, similar gradation happens from uh, premier to private. So the idea is that you deliver more and more access, uh, but you deliver at the right time. If you tell a student that, hey, you can access uh, shares in Grab mm. before its IPO, that will be like, oh shit, I don't get that anyway. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have the money to do it. It's just going to lead to more frustration. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right. So um, tell us a little bit about where you are in the 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 journey. And, you know, you, you're live, you know, what kind of uh, user numbers do you have? Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you need to get to next, what the next milestone is that you're working towards. Yeah. Yes, we are, we are live. So, so we started as a tech company, so developed the whole app, uh, the whole platform for about a year. And then we took licenses in uh, Singapore, Hong Kong and India, uh, with Singapore being the, um, the place where we started off. Um, and now we have upwards of 400 odd clients mm. um, with an average account size somewhere between eighty to $100,000. So we are managing close to somewhere between thirty-five to $40 million today. Where would those guys have gone normally? Where would they 
have so these so, so these are people who are effectively not giving being given access of uh, any private wealth account mm. and they are just let's say i would say sampling us out testing us out with technically smaller sums a smaller wallet share which can grow 10 times uh because we know it, we we see that you know when they when they do the profiling they tell us about themselves we see as someone with a million dollars will just test it out with 50000 100000 and then grow or grow with us over time mm-hmm. so these people are typically uh people who would bank with any private bank um but they do want services or they do want um features such as leverage or access to new issuances etc so so that's what they go for yeah and do you charge fees then for the banking yeah account? so we do charge so like i said for the premier private it's a, it's a fee paid mm. uh, solution so it's not like just giving a freebie and going on right the fee range somewhere between 0.3 to 0.5% mm-hmm. and in certain cases it's also performance driven mm. and what are your plans for onboarding new and acquiring new customers from here because i imagine you probably within your personal network you know a few people that you've already pulled them on board to right. try an mvp at the early stages correct what happens next when you want to you know there is word of mouth that's quite organic isn't it Correct. have you got a, a a more sort of uh, inorganic approach to onboarding customers yeah so now the digital marketing has been uh, playing a major role so we had a whole um, a new marketing team which we expanded so we had just two people which have now expanded to five mm. so they've joined in the month of feb and using those digital efforts is where we are growing so So we do have a sales team also and that's and that's who helped us let's in the first couple of years um and still it's uh, very much needed to grow um but I think the digital acquisition uh, of clients partnerships that's what is uh, likely to take us to the next level mm. what's working there where are you finding your digital marketing getting results So I think it's coming from a very uh, I would say content driven play. Mm. So the fact that we know what we are talking about we're not like first time investors. We we do understand what what happens in the market especially in a market which is driven by Trump's tweets. Mm. So so it's uh, it's it's quite uh, uh, quite a tricky one. Um so it it takes a good amount of experience to see how to uh, maneuver these uh, so called treacherous markets mm. and something or the other happens every year I can tell you which yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> totally not into yeah. yeah are you finding um platform wise what works for you facebook are you doing google ads or so so yeah so on that front we are still it's still we are in the discovery phase yeah. um linkedin has worked well for us mm. um but between uh, you know whether it's facebook ads or google uh, you know it's still let's say early stages where i would say we're a couple of months away from finding the right channel from us for yeah. us yeah yeah it's a, it's a long discovery process isn't it but it yeah. it's a model effectively if you know that it costs you Fifty dollars to acquire a customer, but your average customer over a lifetime could be worth, let's say, two thousand dollars just for argument's yeah. sake in fees. Yeah. Then it's just like do more of that model, isn't correct. it? That's, That's what That's we need exactly to do. Right. So the question then is about how big is that particular market? How many customers are out there? You you have licensing in Singapore, Hong Kong, and India. India. So um, do you know the complete? I mean, you've given a value on it, but how many? people are you effectively targeting so i would say if you look at the market between these three countries uh, the number of clients who would qualify for that middle segment is is upwards of 20 million uh, of course a large chunk being in india and in terms of the the assets under management there's a huge there's like a almost a, a, i think about 2 trillion dollars between just singapore and hong kong yeah that comes under these segments so the market is huge when it comes to wealth and it grows over time 
Especially uh, here in Asia, yeah, the middle yeah, class, right? Exactly. So yeah. it's not only the number of people who are becoming more affluent, the wealth also is growing over time because yeah. money does earn money unless you're really bad at it, which we are not. <laughs> so, 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 so it's a very um, uh, growing segment mm. um, and uh, has place for a number of players to, to be there and, and do well. Um, but the key is that when you're, when you're trying to do a digital acquisition, you need to build that trust. And that trust comes through um, the right kind of content, the right kind of service, the right kind of, let's say, educational stuff that mm. you put out there. Uh, and you need to give that impression that you know what you do. Uh, I, we don't believe in, you know, like having a branding which is made super exclusive and things like that, that, hey, mm. you come here, you get access to a Bentley or something. No. So, so it's basically we know what we're doing and there is some kind of educational element to it. Uh, you know, where we can be there with you throughout the journey because see, our, the wealth advisor that we have built is there with you in your pocket 24 by 7. Okay. <laughs> At the click of two buttons. <laughs> Excellent. I'm curious to know the people behind this. So obviously yourself, Ashish, but there are more. Um, and obviously you are recruiting as well. Like you said, the digital marketing guys yeah. are quite new. Bear in mind, this is March 2019. So it's all subject to change. Yeah. Let's have a look at the team slide, which is on 16 in your, your deck here. Um, oh, you've got the organizational structure and then also yeah. the team. So there's a lot in here. Maybe yeah. we can start just by talking about you and your co-founder. Where did you, uh, you, you mentioned him earlier that he yes. worked of that world and then you pitched him the idea or? Yeah, so we need the, he was, uh, so both of us were together at um, IIT Delhi Computer Science in mm. the year 1996. Um, so then after 2000, I went my way into the world of finance, I mean, MBA and then finance, whereas he went after an MBA into the world of tech. So, so 2016, so which is exactly, let's say what, 20, 20 years later, or let's say 16 to 20 years later, we got together to start this. Mm -hmm. And then we, uh, so he comes from, um, you know, a very product and tech background. He understands how mobile apps are made and, uh, and run. And I bring the whole financial element to it. Um, and let's say the, the, the access to capital. Hmm. Uh, so we divide our roles, uh, you know, into, into certain key things. And, um, then we have a, a very solid team that we have, uh, you know, both in terms of financial acumen, technology, as well as sales experience. Um, and so we are there in three countries as a licensed business. We have a rep office in Dubai also. Hmm. Um, so we have different people responsible for businesses in each country. So there's, uh, let's say Chi in Hong Kong and Nashwin is in Hong Kong and, uh, Arun and Kimi are here in um, in Singapore. Then we have um, the core technology being built by, you know, our head of quant, he's right now in London, but he's mm. moving back to India. And then I have another batchmate of ours who is is a PhD in machine learning, uh, currently even in Seattle. Mm. So who's helping us build all the algorithms, yeah. So how many people are you in total? I know it's a difficult question sometimes because no, we so lose the total, count. The total company as such is about 40 odd. 40? Yeah. Okay. And but a large chunk of them are based in Bangalore because that's where the tech is based. Right, that's yeah. your development hub. So yeah. most are based in Bangalore. Here in Singapore, how many? So Singapore, we are about six, but yeah. going to 12 within like four months. Okay. Yeah. Right. And you, I mean, it's a Singapore registered company, right? Yes. Okay. The head office is Singapore, the, the holding, holding company. Yeah. The holding company. So you're yeah. here and you, you're... CTO, your partner is based here as well? Or is so he he's based in Bangalore. in Bangalore. He travels here very frequently. Someday he'll probably move here, but right. for now he's there. <laughs> it's just about doable at this stage, isn't it? And you've raised as well. So you've got it on your pitch deck here. You've raised just under 5 million yeah. um, US dollars. That's correct. Yeah. And uh, without sort of disclosing everything, the kind of 
um, investors that came on board at that stage? So the very first round we did was a small close to I think 1.2 million, which yeah. was from angel investors. So that was from people who, uh, let's say in a, in a one degree or two degrees of uh, knowing each other. Uh, and they were all people in, who were working in banks, technology companies, hedge funds, and so on. So they, they supported me when I was just starting out. And then uh, we had IDG Ventures, which is now renamed as Chirati Ventures. Mm. So they participated in the second and third round. Uh, so taking the total size to close to 4.9 million. Mm. Um, so, so getting an institutional venture capital on board is always useful. Uh, they bring a lot of insight and the comfort that you can get access to more capital later on. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you will be raising again in yes. the future, as always, for every entrepreneur. Right. So it never stops. Rough timelines on that without holding you to anything. So, so we should be raising anywhere in the next, uh, let's say, three to six months. Yeah. And we're likely to raise uh, a Series A, which could be anywhere between five to $10 million. Okay, so for those listening, that would be roughly August, July. July. I would sorry, say no, August, September. Sorry. Yeah, something. Yes, yeah, September. some something like let's say between Q three, uh, July. Let's say. Okay, yeah. so Q three, yeah. excellent. All right, and you also mentioned it that you are expanding. So let's put it out there because people yeah. do watch this and they're right. looking for teams to work for. You know, people who are working on great projects as well. Yeah. Um, what are you interested in hearing from? Hard skills or people with particular mindsets? People from particular industries? Anything at the top of your list? So I believe in uh, people. The whole company has been built hand by handpicked uh, people by me and uh, you know Vineet. So if I find someone who is passionate, whose passion you just cannot replicate. Skills can be built over time, right? Uh, but of course, uh, having some background in what you've done, experience that helps. Uh, so we are looking for people who can uh, you know do um, advisory, sales, a bit of tech, marketing, pretty much across the board, compliance, so across the board. So uh, but the idea is to get people who can take this business to the next level because we are anticipating a surge in growth in the next nine months mm. uh, simply because we have set up the pipes in place and we can, we can smell that initial success and then see that, okay, this thing is, is likely to be something that could go out of our control if we don't have people mm. <laughs> you know, at the right time. And hence, basically, just doubling the number of people here in uh, in Singapore. In fact, even in Hong Kong, we're going from like five to like eight, mm. and uh, India's like perennially expanding too. <laughs> and what sort of backgrounds do they have to come from the world of banking or retail banking? Or no, I, I believe in. Uh, in fact, we, we we were wondering we should go to the you know like uh, SMU and NUS and NDU yeah. and get people like uh, you know who are energetic, uh, fresh grads from there, or anyone who has a bit of experience on let's say regulations, compliance, and things like that. Mm. So, so in the hiring doesn't have to be from you know in the same industry you worked somewhere. I'm not a big believer of that. Um, so it's 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 something where you you need to understand the pain points because our, our business model is somewhat different also so it's a very tech driven play so a traditional player sometimes or people who worked in a bank for 10 years they may not even be able mm. to identify with the business model itself and then the culture fit becomes a problem mm. so so we are quite uh, picky on hiring but still uh, trying to go at a fast pace yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So the culture fit's important isn't it the yeah. mindset wise what are you looking for because if the mindset is more important than the experience, yeah. then you, I mean, obviously they have to have experience that they can bring to the table, but not domain experience, not for example, experience in banking. Culturally, what do they need to know about working at Crystal AI in the sense that, you know, there must be certain type of people you don't want to 
apply maybe because they come with expectations or you know this is not the right place for them to work because you know passion's great it's great to have it and everybody's going to say they're passionate right but you know what are the kind of things that you need to look for in them that you think yeah this person's really going to fit in and add value here so i'll give you a sense you know so the kind of um signals you look for is this is do the, do these people understand the value of the business do they attach value to the stock options that they like to get do the thing that this business can grow to the next level where could we become the robin hood could we grow grow as fast as instagram grew uh, so can it can it actually grow at a pace which is not thought of uh, do they think of us like a bank and put us in a box over there or do they think of us as a has a video game app that can go mm. viral mm. so so it's this gauging that whole thought process on uh, and how do they think they can make it happen and just just checking that thinking process that style of thinking uh which you which shows a lot of openness you get the right vibes and mm. you know go, go for it so um always in in a startup you have to be cognizant of the fact that you know you you never have a very high cash salary packages right mm. so So, so like compared to your old world right exactly yeah, yeah exactly yeah especially coming from banking so the moment you are trying to you know manage expectations uh, that way I, i was at x amount of dollars and i should get 1.1 1.2x you mm. just lost the plot so, yeah so 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 that's definitely that's definitely that doesn't work mm. uh, but what works is how you see this business model and where you think um, are the right catalysts of growth which can yeah. take it to the next level So so I tell my firm that my my people right that it's it's simple to become a thousand times you just have to double the value of the company every year <laughs> so in 10 years you'll be worth a thousand times right there you go I <laughs> see economics math so <laughs> yeah. I think yeah I mean it's great isn't it if you have somebody who comes to you wanting to work for the company who um not necessarily of that world but you know you want them and this is i guess advice for anybody that's listening now and thinking you know I want yeah. to speak to Ashish is that they've they've used the app yeah they've they've been playing around with it and yeah. they've been thinking about it and they've been thinking about what it can be and then come to you and say i've been working on this you know right. i've been sort of playing around with a few things a few ideas i want you to have a look at this you know they bring their ideas and you know maybe it's a ux thing maybe it's yeah. application of ai maybe it's an onboarding or workflow correct whatever it may be but you want them to come with those ideas right That's and correct. you say okay i never thought about that and it might not be the right thing but i, I really yeah. like dig the way you approach the problem exactly. is that you're not waiting for me to say you know mr ashish tell me what i need to do it's like okay i'm out there looking for a solution for this and that's correct yeah that's the kind of thing that you want to hear from that's probably a startup mindset see it? what you want is like uh, you know when when zuckerberg has uh, this guy who comes to him that you know i'm going to put a like dislike button in your app yeah. And yeah. say, oh my god yeah right exactly <laughs> this, i've been working on it. it exactly <laughs> this that is, is what, it that's well, what you want <laughs> exactly we put it out there those are the kind of people we want to hear from so um <laughs> Ashish, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. And Crystal AI, the mission, the story, um, best way for people to reach out to you in whatever context LinkedIn works for you. Sure, yeah, yeah, okay. So we'll put all the details there in the show notes, where links to the company and so on. Um, yeah, and and all the best. 
Good luck with Thank your. You, yeah. You've got some big plans, some brave plans ahead. Yeah, you. that's Obviously, right. you know, recruiting, which is um, never easy. I think often finding talent is harder than finding money. That is very true. Yeah. Especially here in Singapore, when that's true. Yeah. Why should I work for this when I can work for DBS? <laughs> right. So you've got to get the right people. So all that's the best true. with that, and you know, come back and update as well on the journey. You know, six, twelve sure. months on, see where you are. Perfect. Yeah. Um, would love to hear. You know the part two of the story. Okay, that's great. So, yeah. That's Ashish Chandra, everybody, from Crystal AI. All the details in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me here. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.